Good morning, everybody. Let me just pray before we start. Lord, we gather here now to meet with you. We gather to hear from you. We gather to learn from you. We gather to be transformed by you. Speak to us, Lord, now as we read from your word. Take this word, place it in our hearts, put it in our hands and our feet, that we might use it for your purposes and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. It's uh, really good to be here and to be speaking to those of you who are gathering at home. Uh, as Catherine said, my name is Sarah Slater. Um, I'm normally to be found at the sixth service in the evening. I'm not saying it was difficult getting up this early, but it was a change. That's all I'm saying. Um, and uh, in just January, I think, this year coming, it will mark 23 years since my husband, Nick, and I walked through these doors for the first time. In that time, we've lived in three different houses. I've had three different jobs. And we've had three children. I was going to say we don't do everything in threes, but maybe we do. Let's wait and see. Um, we've obviously had numerous front lines in that time as well be those jobs, be those social activities, friendship groups. And I'd say at the moment, wait for it, <laughs> I have actually probably got three front lines at the moment. Um, I've got the job that I do three days a week, it really is, what can I say? Um, I've got the, the place where I work, I have my activity in the community, and I firmly believe, I've got a four-legged friend, he hasn't got three, he has got four. Um, I firmly believe, actually, I have a rich mission field when I'm out walking around this place every single day. And we've got family and friends who don't yet know the Lord, who, for whom they are very, very important front lines for us. In those 23 years, there have been nearly 8,400 Sundays. Now, nobody needs to give me a gold star because let's face it, I haven't been here every single Sunday. But it is fair to say we have spent a lot of time gathering in this place. And the question is, why? Do you get asked that question? Do people say to you, why do you go to church? Or well, do you need to go to church to be a Christian? And I wonder what your answer has been to those questions. Well, we're going to explore this through our Bible reading today. And it's my prayer that in doing so, we will be equipped with a very confident answer to that question. I'm going to read the passage in a moment. But before I do, let's just recap our journey through this Frontline Sunday's sermon series. Because today we reach the conclusion, and perhaps the climax, because here, as we gather today and every other time we meet, we are all involved in equipping each other for our next scattered six days on our front lines until we meet again. So let's look back on the journey that we have been on together. We started by considering the church as a body of people who both gather together and scatter out into the world. And despite being in the minority as Christians, 
We can make all the difference in the world by being the red in the gray, the light in the dark. You may remember these two images that we looked on early on in the series, that top left corner where as we gather as Christians today, we then head out and start to scatter and the impact of where that red will be tomorrow. Thank you. Secondly, that we learned that we have a front line or maybe several front lines, which is the places where we do life or work encountering people who don't know Jesus. And that happens for each one of us every single day. And with that comes huge gospel opportunity. And wherever we are and whatever we do, the work of our hands matters to God. It's part of our worship to him. It's how we serve others and bear witness to him. And whatever we do can bring glory to him and be used by his purposes. And last week, Patrick helped us explore whoever we are using the Lord's Prayer. That we are first and foremost sons and daughters of God. And that our life on the front line flows from that identity. Which is liberating, particularly in the face of the pressure to conform or derision. And today, our focus is that together we grow. When we gather together, we build one another up to have a continued fruitful impact on our front lines. So the church as a place for growth and encouragement is our focus today. And with only 6% of our population calling themselves Christians and possibly meeting like we are, we recognize the importance of staying red in the grey dots. But then again, if this time of gathering only takes up 6% of our week, what impact can it really have? Does it really matter if we gather? Is it really that important? We're going to delve now into the passage from Hebrews chapter 10, which tells us why gathering is not just a nice thing to do, but a vital part of our spiritual health, formation and rhythm. Something which encourages, focuses and equips us to be truly effective on our front lines. Because if we are going to be fruitful for the long haul when we're scattered out on our front lines, then we need to be faithful in gathering together. I'm going to use three images that will help us focus on what church can be for us. Compass, iron and log. Look out for those in a moment. Let me just start by reading the passage. If you want to look at it on your phones, a Bible, at home, it's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25, and it's entitled, A Call to Persevere in Faith. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us, through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful." And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, 
but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's start where the passage starts. That's with Jesus. Since we have confidence by the blood of Jesus through his body, we gather today in response to what Jesus has done for us. He has made our communion with God and our fellowship with each other possible. We don't gather primarily for us, but because of him. And let's just unpack the first part of that passage. It says that we have confidence to enter the most holy place. And the language here resonates with Old Testament practices. Because in the Old Testament, the most holy place in the temple was only accessed by the high priest and only once a year as he was interceding on behalf of the people. It was blocked off from all other worshippers and indeed all other priests by a thick veil. But when Jesus died on the cross, we read in Matthew chapter 27 that the veil was torn in two from top to bottom, removing the barrier between God and his people and opening the way to the most holy place for all, that is, into the presence of God. Now, the curtain tearing was radical, but what it meant was transformational. That through Jesus' blood, the price for sin was paid once and for all. And there was no barrier then to being in the presence of God. And because of Jesus' enabling sacrifice, we are urged here to draw near to God. But if there's no barrier to entering into the presence of God now... We can find him anywhere. So why gather at church? Well, when we gather, we hold on to hope together. Verse 23 tells us to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. And that means holding on to the hope of all that Jesus has done through his death and resurrection, is doing when we see lives transformed around us and God at work in our own lives and the eternal hope of what he will do when he comes again. But there are many things that weaken our grip on this hope. The realities of earthly life that cause us to have doubts in the sovereignty of God or lose sight of his majesty. And that must have been true then, as it is now, hence it was written. Can I just encourage you now, if you've got them with you, is to um, take out your hands, put them out in front of you, and just clench your fists. Can you feel the strength in your hands? There's a lot of power in our hands. We can hold strong things. Now just release that grip. Just take a look at your hands now. Just think for a moment of the things that cause you to have doubt in God or lose sight of him. See, those things are a little bit like a layer of soap on our hands. You try and pick something up when you've got soapy hands and you will easily lose grip of them. But the passage assures us that we are washed clean. There is no soapy residue. We are cleansed so we can have complete assurance of our faith. 
Sometimes, though, it's the voice within us that takes us back to those doubts or blurs our vision of God. And that's why we need each other. We need each other to keep our vision of God clear and to set aside our doubts so that we can hold on to the hope that we profess. That's why it says, let us draw near, let us hold on. It's not a solo activity, but a communal one. Once a year, I understand that a group of Holy Trinity gents set off on a long walk together. Any of those long walking gents here this morning? Ah, yes, indeed. Now, I understand, I've never been, of course, that it's a fairly decent walk, probably fairly remote, and the incentive is a pub at the end. Um, and uh, I've got uh, children. You may well have uh, children or grandchildren who do the Duke of Edinburgh's scheme. And the big thing in that is the expedition. And for both of these groups, groups, pub or no pub, it's about a couple of things, I think. It's about knowing where the end destination is, and it's about staying on the right track to get there. And I'm guessing both of those groups rely on a compass to keep on track. Because if you know the destination is north, you don't entirely know where you are, if the route's unfamiliar, but keeping the compass pointing true north and heading unswervingly that way will lead you in the right direction. And group walks are very much about teamwork to achieve these two things. And that's what we can do for each other when we come together. Christ is our compass, our true north. An eternal relationship with him is the end point. And we need to keep on the right track to get there. With the help of each other, we're far less likely to stumble onto the wrong path. When we gather, we come together to stay focused on our true north. I can look around this church and see people who over 23 years have prayed for me, mentored me, delivered meals to me. You've taught my children in Sunday groups, You've opened your homes to me and shared the word with me. You've listened to me as I've shared struggles. You've assured me as I've had doubts. You have kept me on track, pointing true north. And I'm so thankful for you. Who do you give thanks for? Those Christian brothers and sisters who keep you on the right track. Together, we hold on to hope together, keeping each other pointing true north. And when we gather, we also encourage one another because the Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. It's not a short, sharp burst and then we can catch our breath. No, we have to keep going for miles and miles, years and years through rough terrain and that requires a very different type of spiritual stamina to a short sprint. We need encouragement from each other to keep going. Now, the word encourage used in the passage is the Greek parakleo, which means to comfort and console. And parakleo is also used in the book of John to describe the Holy Spirit, the one who teaches, guides, and comforts us. Therefore, in being called to do this to one another, we're being called to imitate God. 
That's a huge responsibility, but we do it powered by the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And beyond encouraging, verse 24 tells us to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Spur is a pretty strong word. It has that sort of implication of provoking people. And it's a bit of a strange word to put together with love and good deeds. But its strength suggests the importance of helping one another to live our faith on the front lines. Because let's face it, we can grow weary of doing good. People cannot sometimes take advantage of us, be ungrateful of the things that we do. Our best efforts may not be seeming to lead to lasting change. It may be easy to give up or veer away from true north. But this passage tells us that we can encourage one another by not allowing each other to give up. And this sort of spurring brings accountability, and that's where the iron comes in. Because gathering together gives us some accountability. You may have a conversation with somebody today, and I'm, I'm doing this next week, and when we're back here, somebody will say, how did that go? And it's good that we're accountable to each other. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, as, one, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Friends, we meet together so we can be sharpened. Our faith refined and strengthened so that when we are that lone red in a sea of gray, we will stand firm and give light and hope to others. We are a big church family and we can't possibly know everyone well, but I should imagine for each one of us, there are some close sharpening relationships that are mutually encouraging that we can give thanks for. So when we gather, we hold on to hope together and we encourage one another. And that's why we're urged not to give up the habit of meeting together. Because what do we do when we meet? We worship God, we confess our shortcomings, we pray for the world and each other, we study God's word together, and we share communion. Each one of these is essential for our compass tracking. It draws us closer to God, it creates fellowship with each other, through which we can be sharpened. So if church is the place where we share in these core elements of our faith, if this is the community that will help us remain faithful to God, if this is the gathering that will affirm our significance in those Monday to Saturday places, then meeting together is vital. Because Christianity is all about relationship and community. It has been right at the beginning with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in community as the world was created in Genesis chapter 1. This was true when Jesus surrounded himself with disciples through his earthly ministry. This was true when he ascended into heaven, the first church assembled, where everyone was nourished and nurtured, and God was at the center of their shared life, as Acts chapter 2 explains. This command to keep meeting is not just meeting for meeting's sake, but it's about encouraging and equipping one another in our walk of faith, because together, we grow. 
I think it's been hugely encouraging across this series to hear testimonies from people, to learn how you've seen God at work in your front lines, both in exciting and challenging ways, in the big and the small. It has been wonderful to hear of the Connections community regathering after so many months apart. A joy to hear about new communities forming with Trinity Tots and Bumps and Babies. And it's been fantastic to come off Zoom and get our children's, youth and small groups together again. Thankful though we are for the technology that has enabled us to stay connected in lockdown. Church community is such a blessing. But it can also be hard because we are flawed people and we should expect there to be some challenges and disagreements in our shared life. But our gathered life will always be more of a blessing than a challenge. And this is where the log comes in. So picture a fire, it's smoldering. Each one of those logs has a warm glow to it. Take one log off the fire it will soon lose its light and its heat. As Christians gathered here, we are like a collection of glowing logs on a fire. The fellowship that we enjoy together prevents that red glow in our everyday lives from fading. Without the sharpening we receive together, that red glow fades. We truly need each other. Busyness. I don't know about you, but it does seem to have returned with a vengeance. People of all ages are telling me that they are swamped for so many reasons. Lockdown took us out of routine, but it also took us out of the habit of doing things. And notice the use of the word habit in this passage in verse 24. Let's not get out of the habit of meeting together. If we were to head to the original Greek translation of this passage, we'd see the word ethos for habit, from which we understand belief or rule of life. We're going to look more at what it means to have a spiritual rule of life here in the new year. But in essence, it's about those anchor points, those everyday spiritual activities that we do that keep us pointing true north. Maybe this service is an anchor point for you. Maybe it's a midweek group, it's a a prayer meeting at work, it's a prayer partner, it's a walk with a Christian friend. Maybe you have a few of these in your spiritual rhythm. This passage urges us to keep good habits of meeting together, to be logs with warm glows from our fellowship and mutual encouragement so as we don't lose our light and fire for Christ when we're amongst those who don't yet know him. The compass, the log, the iron, pictures to remember about what it means to gather this essence of church fellowship. We gather so we can go. We go because we're surrounded by everyday people who do not have the hope we have, who've not yet been introduced to Jesus. And when we go, we often get a bit discouraged or have setbacks. So we regather to be encouraged and get back on track. Jesus is our true north. We need each other to keep heading in the right direction. And though this is only 6% of our weekly time, 
It powers the other 94% of our everyday lives with Christ's light so that we won't fade. Jesus' great commission for us all is to be fruitful on our front lines, to go and make disciples. And we can be sharpening each other so that we are effective witnesses in the world. So let's not give up meeting together, but encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching our eternal hope. Together we grow. Amen.